Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and I'm finally back from vacation. Thanks for sticking with us and being patient. But we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking all about Paris Saint-Germain's 2-0 win over Manchester City in the Champions League. We'll be discussing Messi's first goal as a member of PSG and what a fabulous goal that was. We'll talk about Kevin De Bruyne's disgusting tackle on Idrissa Gay, whether Gianluigi Donnarumma has won the starting goalkeeper role over Keeler Navas. Very controversial. Uh, and we'll also have a good laugh at our La Liga friends who had a very disappointing week in the Champions League, to say the least. Here to help me break it all down is a new guest to the show. James Ridge from the PSG Unrestricted Podcast joins me all the way from Derby, England. Uh, you can find his podcast on Spotify, and we'll definitely make sure to link to it in the article for this podcast and tag them on Twitter so you can go ahead and give them a follow because English voices who are pro-PSG are difficult to come by, as we saw from several pundits after PSG's win last Tuesday. And yes, I am talking about you, Jamie Carragher. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with James from PSG Unrestricted. Hello, James. Welcome to the show. How are you this evening? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a couple of days now since PSG's 2-0 win over Manchester City in the Champions League. So we've had a little bit of time to digest what's uh, what happened in that match. So I, to get started, I want to ask you, what are your overall thoughts on the performance? Because for me, it wasn't as convincing as the scoreline would lead you to believe. No, it wasn't. But I think, take nothing away from the performance in that regard. Um, I think it was a real statement of intent, more from a maturity sense with PSG. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of games of this caliber against very, very good teams that PSG sort of, the, the mentality doesn't seem to be there and it, 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 that, that it eventually costs them. So it was good to see from that point of view that, that they seem to have turned a corner in a sense. Obviously, the, the league start as well has been, it, it's been flawless. So I think that it was a real statement of intent that, that maybe this could be PSG's year. I mean, undefeated, it's hard to argue with that. And I said in the uh, on Spaces on Twitter that that narrative has kind of changed for PSG. They used to be a team when the, the bright lights of the Champions League came on that they would really struggle. And we've seen some catastrophic defeats in the Champions League. But you look at it, the last couple of seasons, beating Barcelona, Bayern Munich, you know, top the group with Real Madrid, reach the finals. I mean, this is a team that suddenly figured out how to turn it on uh, in the Champions League. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, yes, certainly. I think even looking back as as early as last season, when in the the game against Man City, where there was a, a red card and also a lot of heads were lost midway through the game, when it, it was still a very much an even game. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see that you know the concentration levels are there. They can see out games when it really matters, and and yeah, I, I completely agree. Well, great. So I want to start here and just ask you about that midfield because. That's the part of the pitch where I think people thought PSG would struggle the most. Uh, but as things have played out, you could actually make the case that Idrissa Gay and Ander Herrera in the midfield have been PSG's two best players this season. So talk about just the importance of that midfield in the Manchester City game and securing the three points. 
Well, uh, Pep Guardiola himself said, didn't he, that he's in love with Marco Verratti, and I think it's very hard to argue with him. Um, but I think he 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 takes a lot of the limelight. But I think the two behind him, as you said, Idrissa Gay and, and Under Herrera. You look at Under Herrera's goal return so far this season. Now, whether that's just a, a purple patch or what, but this is a player that a lot of fans were thinking would just be a squad player, especially with Genie Wijnaldum coming in. But he, he seems to be really taking his chance for it and, and making the most of it. And I think what you get with Idrissa Gay now as well is he, he offers as much as Herrera and Verratti do. He offers a, a really stable base to hold that um, incredible attacking line because they're, they're effectively made redundant if there's not a solid enough support system in place. And he offers that. And we've seen it's not very often he scores. He took his goal phenomenally well, but I think they, they're going to go really understated this year. In if PSG are successful, a lot of the plaudits will go to the attack, but I think it'll be it'll be won and lost with how this midfield performs, I think. Absolutely. And that was a great comment from Pat, wasn't it, that he's in love with Marco Verratti and he had just come back. I mean, he he only had what, what, one or two training sessions and he comes in and puts in a performance like that. You had Nuno Mendes, 19 years old, comes in at left back and just had a great performance. Uh, just wasn't scared at all of the, of the big moment against a big team like Manchester City. So several players there, um, you know, that are, that are performing better than we anyone anticipated you know everyone's talking about Messi Neymar and Mbappe and rightfully so but and a lot of the conversation is you know this t- PSG is not really a team yet but it's going to be those players like Nuno Mendes and Ander Herrera and Idrissa Gay that are really going to help this team gel together so it, it's just great that so early in the season we're seeing that come together um, we talked about Idrissa Gay he did score PSG's first goal in the eighth minute and then uh, later in the first half, he nearly had his leg broken from an ugly challenge from Kevin De Bruyne. And so what did you make of that challenge? And why don't you think the referee gave him a straight red? I- I've seen several replays. The referee was in perfect position. He's looking right at the incident. Why wasn't that a straight red? Just maybe talk about that whole incident as a whole. Um, it-, it was an ugly scene. Uh, yeah, I, I can't find any justification for not giving him a red, especially when you look two weeks ago, when you look, you look at the Manchester United versus Young Boys game and, and Wan-Bissaka was given a red card for something almost identical. You know, you caught him on the ankle, studs up, he's gone over the top of the ball. Um, and, and I thought, fair play, that was a red card. And you think you need some consistency here because if City had gone on to win that game, if De Bruyne had gone on to have a, a big, big impact on the game, I think there'd be a very different feel to this conversation. There'd be a very different outlook to PSG's Champions League hopes now, especially with dropping points against Club Bruges. So it, 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 I'm glad it, it wasn't catastrophic for, in a PSG sense. But, you know, if it had, then we really would need to be talking about how big of a decision that was. And, it, and I went back and I looked at the rules because at the at the moment I was like, is VAR going to check this out? And from when, from what I understand in the Champions League, if it was a straight red, then VAR would maybe take a look at it and see if that was justified or not. I think there's three or four incidents where VAR would come into play, and because it was a yellow card, I don't think VAR is allowed to review that. And so I wonder if if officials are in incidents like that. Why wouldn't you just give the red, knowing that you have VAR to double check for you? I, I don't. I mean, do you think that could start playing in the minds of officials where they just, if it looks bad, just give them the red and and then let VAR correct you if you're wrong? Because the the yellow, given the yellow, was just absolutely the wrong decision. 
Yeah, you get you get a lot of those in different leagues as well, where they, they sort of the referees don't give the decision for it to be checked, so it doesn't get given anyway. Um, but I, I just fear it's, it's obviously it could be a very it could be a, mile, a hundred miles off, but it, it feels sort of like some certain referees have this ego to protect where they don't want to get overruled. So I think in, in giving De Bruyne or Yellow, as you said, if he can't then be corrected, he maintains that integrity on the pitch. He maintains that position of power that, you know, he's in charge. Um, and I just, I don't think, he, I think they, you see it a lot in the English league as well, where it feels like the referees are sort of scared to be undermined in that sense, even though VAR is brought in to make them better. People do not pay money to see the uh, referees, and I think they need to learn that. Nobody cares what your name is. Just get the calls right. And we have VAR, and you still manage to mess it up. So that was frustrating. But let's move on from the midfield, and let's talk about Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi because they didn't quite live up to the expectations on Twitter especially. You probably saw a lot of people were wanting to see more of them. They were kind of getting on those front three players for not tracking back, but... Um, in this game in particular, I thought PSG really did concede possession for much of the game, and then those three front players weren't able to do what they do best, which is attack the, the other goal. And so, um, you know, I, and I think at the end of the day, they only had three shots on target and scored two. So that's that's a good return on investment there. But you would hope with those three players, you'd have more than three shots on target. So for you, what does Pochettino need to do to unlock those three attackers or do you think it was all part of Pochettino's plan to kind of just sit back and concede and hit on the counter I do I think I think it is credit to Pochettino and it's credit to those forward players as well that they they can do both they can you know they're effective when PSG are on top and they're effective on the counter attack as well obviously players of that caliber you know you're not going to dominate Man City for possession no team in world football is going to get over 50% possession against Man City it just wouldn't happen so I think it's smart to allow them possession, keep as solid as, as PSG were at the back. And then when you've got three players in, in Neymar, Mbappe and Messi with the technical quality and the speed and efficiency as well, that it's, they're almost perfect for the counter-attack. I think it's a, especially in big Champions League games, it's it's a tactic we could really see them make the most of. Obviously, we saw it last season against Manchester United in the group stage when the, you know, especially at Old Trafford, Manchester United were on top of the game for, for long periods of time and PSG ended up winning 3-1 because they were just so devastating on the break. So I think it, it, it was good. It was very good by Poch. And I think it's encouraging that this front three have that extra string to their bow. They're not, they're not reliant on having a lot of chances and, and constantly having possession. Yeah, I wrote a piece right after the game and it talked about that what we saw tonight is probably the worst that we're going to see of PSG all season because they're only going to get better from here. You know, a lot of new faces coming in. You get Sergio Ramos back from injury, and if that if what if that's true, look what they just did. They beat City two 0 and so that's incredibly promising for the rest of the season. Um, but I want next. I want to ask you about the Messi goal because I I don't. I think I'll ever forget that. I, I'm replaying it in my mind right now. I, Messi gets the ball around the halfway point from Verratti. You got Hakimi on the flank, just takes a defender with him. Messi sprints forward with the ball, passes it over to Mbappe, who immediately, instinctively knows this isn't meant for me. And he just taps it back. Beautiful little back pass there. And then Messi's finish is unbelievable. So talk about just when he scored that. Did you go crazy like I did? I think I ran around my house screaming. I was like banging the keyboard, tweeting. Uh, it was just the moment was special. I don't think I'll ever forget it. And then looking forward, 
just that Messi's quality in front of goal. Is that what PSG have been missing? Is that the missing uh, piece of this team to get to a Champions League title? Um, well, I'll, I'll answer you first, but first, obviously, the, the in England, obviously, the, there's not that many PSG fans, but the, the sports bar that we were watching it in just erupted when that goal went in, just in in, in awe of the quality of it. You know, you, you see Messi score that goal maybe four or five times a season for Barcelona, and it's in no, in no way an easy goal at all, is it? It's uh, technically one of the best you'll see this season. So phenomenal, yeah. We, even even neutrals were up on their feet. Uh, just in admiration for it, but yeah, the the, the goal itself, I think, really, un, really sort of highlighted the the role Hakimi plays in attacking because you saw how disarrayed City looked at the back. They they did look at sort of sixes and sevens, and that's because on the same flank you've got Kylian Mbappe and Akraf Hakimi to keep an eye on, and and his movement out wide has dragged at least one, if not, it's dragged one player over to create a bit of space, and it's. Put the, the the centre back. It's put a bit of doubt in the centre back's mind as well, which has allowed Messi that little bit of extra space as well. So it can't be understated how important he was in that move. But yeah, obviously we relying last season on on Moise Keane and and Mario Icardi to to finish chances and be clinical. To now relying on Lionel Messi is, is it could be it, obviously we uh, we'll say it all season. It, it, we'll probably say it. We've said it all summer as well. This could be the, the the signing that finally tips PSG into that winner's bracket. Yeah, and all due respect to Florenzi last season. I mean, Hakimi at right back is a player. He's not just some guy. He's not just an average right back. He, you could make the case he's the best right back in the game right now. And so when he's coming at you, you just can't let him run free. Like someone has to tend to him, if not two defenders. And you leave Messi any kind of space like that, he's going to create what he did. And so I think you're you're right on there that Hakimi really did help make that play and open up enough space for Messi to do what Messi does. And so um, I'm already on record 8 million times that Hakimi for me is the best signing of the summer. I get it, Messi and all that, but I think he is just such a special player and he plays a position that we just so desperately needed an upgrade at, at that right-back position. And so talking about that defense... PSG were pretty stout against City. If you look at the league on um, season so far, PSG have leaked several goals from set pieces, um, headers, um, but they didn't concede against one of the, the better teams in all of Europe. And so would you stick with this back four? Or once Sergio Ramos comes in, would you prefer maybe three central defenders and then let Nuno Mendes and Hikimi maybe push up a little bit more? What is your ideal defensive setup look like? Um. It's, it's a tough one because obviously City did have a, a, a number of good chances as well. I think the, the Donnarumma's performance is the reason that there, there was a clean sheet more than anything. Um, take nothing away from the defensive display, but you know City did have some good chances. And as painful as it is to say it, because I do really like him, it, a lot of them seem to stem from uh, Kim Pembe at the back. So I think if there is a, a change in shape, then fair enough. Um, go to a three at the back. But I think if... Once Ramos comes back, you can't leave him out of the team. And I think, as painful as it is, it will be Kimpembe that makes way because he, he just Marquinhos is, is is one of the best centre backs in the world. He's undroppable at the minute, and he has been for a number of seasons. That's why they made him captain. Um, but I do worry because he is one of my favourite players. But I think it would be Kim Kimpembe that makes way for Ramos. 
What do you think about Kempembe Ramos as a center back pairing? And maybe like Tuchel did, you push Marquinhos up into a defensive midfielder role. I mean, is that something that you think Poch should consider? Um, it, it would be worth considering. I think it would be useful if there's injuries that that would mean that you have to play in there. But I think Marquinhos' best position is at centre back, and I think I think right now, depending on how Ramos settles in, Marquinhos is the PSG's best centre back. So I think why why move him and, and disrupt the, the, the team in that sense? And I think also the the resurgence of Idrissa Gay and now the, the depth you have in midfield means there's less requirement for. Marquinhos to move into that midfield and offer defensive stability. I think the the players you now have in that midfield don't offer you just as much security as their natural midfielders, whereas I don't think Marquinhos is. And uh, moving a little bit further back on defense, let's go to the goalkeeper position. Just really simple, Donnarumma or Keeler Navas? Who's your starter in these big Champions League games moving forward for you? It's, it's, It's a very nice problem to have, isn't it? But I think... I have to, with all due respect to Keylor Navas, because he's been a phenomenal, phenomenal goalkeeper and he still is. He's had an incredible career, but I think you have to start building the future now. And I think that they're probably level in terms of performance levels. They're probably just as good as each other. But the fact that Donnarumma's, what, 12 years younger than him, you know, you've got to start getting Donnarumma into the team as early as possible. And that gives you the best chance of getting him fully settled in and, and, him being the best he can be for PSG. So I'm, I'm as painful as it is because, you know, Kero Navas is such a highly respected goalkeeper and he is, he is still world-class, but I think I'm swaying more towards Donnarumma now. Yeah, he made several saves that he, he just made them look very easy. They were low, hard shots. And for a big guy, I mean, Donnarumma's 6'5", you know, to get down and be able to, to make those saves. And he's just so physically imposing in goal. He just doesn't look like he's ever going to give up a goal. I mean, he was the the player of the tournament at the Euros this summer. And so I think I'm with you. I've been saying it for a while, and, and people think maybe I'm being a little disrespectful to Keeler Navas, and that's not the case at all. I just think that we have a limited window. We won't make, PSG may only have Mbappe for this season. Messi is aging. Like, we need to win now, and I want to play the best goalkeeper. And for me, that's Donnarumma at this point. And so until he makes some catastrophic mistakes that maybe at that point we'd make a change, but right now I think it has to be Donnarumma. So next, um, James, I want to ask you, moving away from PSG a little bit, but still sticking with Champions League, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask your thoughts on uh, two La Liga sides that have given PSG troubles on and off the pitch uh, in recent years. Any comments about Real Madrid going down to Sheriff at home and Barcelona getting trounced by Benfica? It's it's very bizarre to see, and not in a negative way for me either. Um, yeah, the, 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 how the mighty have fallen. I think you can't expect to to do well when you've got players like Luke De Jong up front for for um, Barcelona. Sorry, I can't believe I stumbled on that. Um, yeah, the, the the whole squad. I think you could make a case for man for man Benfica squad now being better than Barcelona's, which is. Very, very strange. Um, I don't think you'd be. I think you could make a good case for it anyway, whether whether it's right or not. But Madrid, they're just so unclinical. You know the the number of chances they had and the, the number of quality chances as well. Let that be stated. These were very good chances that players like Benzema should be scoring from. 
Um, take nothing away from Sheriff because their two goals were, were magnificent, but Madrid only have themselves to blame for that loss. I think the game was in their hands. The game was never out of their hands and it, they're responsible for the loss rather than Sheriff playing completely out of their skin. Yeah, I think what did Real Madrid had something 30 plus total shots. I mean, for them not to finish, I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's almost like they could probably use a player like Kylian Mbappe. And of course, anytime we're talking about Real Madrid, it's always in relation to Kylian Mbappe. Um, what were your thoughts on that whole transfer saga that went down? And uh, what do you think Mbappe is going to do? I'd, I'd, I'd love to say he stays at PSG because it's a much more attractive project. I think he's he's adored here as well. That that should that should be taken into consideration. You know, I think generally speaking. The Madrid fan base is, is quite fickle in the sense that they, they'll, they'll turn on players after just one bad game. Um, and obviously we know Mbappe's still lacks real genuine consistency. He does have a bad game in him every now and then. And I think that won't go down with Madrid fans. I think Madrid's team in general, they're, they're heading in the wrong direction, whereas PSG are definitely on an upward trajectory. You've got to consider that as well. Um, but you also can't underestimate the, the power of Kylian Mbappe's wanted to play for Real Madrid since he was a child. You know that's his it's his favourite team. I think there's a lot of players who dream of the Bernabeu. So it, it all depends on how powerful that urge is to to fulfil a childhood dream. Because you know, in a sporting sense, it, it would make sense to stay and, and build at PSG. But it, from a personal and, and nostalgic sense, I can see why he would go. If that makes sense. No, it does, and you just have to worry for him. Is that dream going to become a nightmare? Like you said, one bad performance. We've seen him go an entire calendar year without scoring in the Champions League. That's not going to be tolerated um, in Madrid. So, yeah, I would just, if I were Mbappe, I would think this one over very carefully. Um, James, I do want to ask you about how you became a PSG fan because you're a, a new guest here to PSG Talking, and so I want to ask how you became a PSG fan. You mentioned that there's not that many there in England, um, and then ask you about your your podcast, PSG Unrestricted, if you want to share um, any notes or highlights from recent shows and talk about your your uh, co-host that you have on the show. Just kind of plug that for us, if you will. Uh, uh, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. But um, yeah, the, the, the love for PSG, I suppose, comes from, uh, as a child, I was a big, big admirer of Ronaldinho. And when you really research into his career, and, and you see that, you know, he, he shot to start him at PSG. And then you look at the calibre of players that PSG had at that time, the, the type of players. It was, you know, JJ Koch's and Ronaldinho's. And it, it, was a, it was a team that always felt like it was very, almost under underrepresented, of course. It, it wasn't, it's not the, it obviously is now, but when I was first getting into them, they, they weren't the most successful team in, in France. Um a fairly new club. It, it, it feels like a team in Paris should should have dominated for years, but it just hadn't. And I, th- I liked the sort of underdog story about that. You know, you fall in love with teams who have these entertaining players, but just never quite make the grade. But now that obviously since the last ten years, it's been ridiculous. The the the, the progress, obviously, Thiago Silva and, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming over has, has really set a waypoint for that. that upward trajectory that, that shows no signs of stopping. So I think it's it's a very good time to be a PSG fan. I think as, as a neutral, it's, it's hard not to like PSG. And uh, yeah. as sorry, as, as for the, the podcast that I do, obviously um, 
there's no visual element to it, so I suppose we're, we're lacking in that. But um, yeah, we, we we try and put one out every week, reviewing games. Um, transfer season is always interesting, reviewing rumours. Um, but we, we sort of look at it more analytically, I suppose. You look at tactical setups and and you know really pinpoint where the game was won uh, outside of goals and stuff like that. But yeah, only sort of 20 minutes a week or so. It's not a, a strenuous listen at all. And I've got a, a course mate from university that I do it with. So we get on really well. There's a lot of uh, chemistry. It feels like a, a genuine conversation. So I'd, re- I'd recommend it, of course. Yeah, and that podcast again is PSG Unrestricted. Um, go ahead and check it out. I know you guys are on Spotify. Um, so go ahead and, and subscribe to that. And, you know, the more English speaking PSG podcasts and websites and Twitter feeds and all that, the better because I, that's how this team's going to get bigger. And so I, I, love, I love what you guys are doing. I applaud it. I subscribe. So um, you guys do a fantastic job there. Um, I do want to also ask you um, just about. With Messi coming into PSG, we talked about maybe not the most popular team in England, but are you seeing more and more growth? You, you mentioned you're at university. Are you seeing some PSG kits as you, you walk around and go to class? Uh, what are you seeing on the ground there? Um, definitely the last couple of years, you see more and more PSG kits, whether that's a, a liking for a team or just a, a respect for how beautiful the kits have been over the last few years. I think that's a, an element we've definitely shone in but yeah the, the, there's a lot more um sort of warm-heartedness to them obviously there'll always be that side of whether well, they're they're an, an oil team they're, they're just ridiculously rich and, and all that but the, the more and more sustained you know success the more and more that they're, they're bringing through academy products and doing it sort of get reaching success in the right way now obviously the the spending has come down Drastically, other than this season, there's a, you see more and more academy products given chance, and they are becoming, from a neutral point of view, a much more likable team. Um, so I think it is definitely a project that will begin to take off in in England in no time. Fantastic! And so up next for PSG, uh, they travel to Rennes. That's a game that always gives them trouble. And the Champions League, PSG will host Leipzig next. And, and Leipzig have struggled. They've sold a lot of their good players, but it'll be a chance to see Christopher and Cuckoo, a former PSG player. He he's really getting on there at Leipzig. So it'll um, be fun to to watch him against some of his old teammates. So that'll be interesting. And then we've got PSG Marseille at Marseille. I think that's going to be a really interesting for many reasons um the velodrome is always hostile territory we'll see how that one goes um hopefully nothing crazy we saw what happened between nice and marseille so hopefully nothing crazy happens but you never know with that fixture um with that james we talked about your podcast but um let let people know how they can find you or the podcast on twitter if they want to interact with you um yeah the, the podcast is just just the title so psg unrestricted um, very, it's still a very small page, so if you want to interact, you you'll definitely get interaction from us. There's a you'll be you'll be one of few, so you'll get a lot of priority. But yeah, and then uh, just jridge underscore journal on Twitter for my personal one as well. Fantastic, and we'll definitely retweet so people who follow us can find you guys easier, and uh, we'll definitely link to your your podcast as well. So um, we'll make it easy for everyone out there. James, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. As always, you can find me on Twitter. I am at PSG Talk. We're also on Discord. We've got fans from all around the world in there talking, uh, giving you know match predictions and all that kind of stuff, talking about PSG kits. So 
I'll tweet out a link. Uh, come over and join the PSG Talk Discord. Um, and with that, we'll go ahead and get out of here. LAPSG.